Welcome to the Oasis Unstacked, where we cover NFTs, the metaverse, crypto gaming, and everything in between. This podcast is sponsored by CoinFlex, the home of crypto yield. Whether you're passively managing money or taking an actively managed approach, you can earn and trade crypto easily on CoinFlex, which sees over $2 billion in daily trading volume. CoinFlex is committed to making crypto derivatives yield accessible to everyone, whether you are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars and more. With a newly launched automated market-making product called AMM+, you can earn yield on crypto by providing liquidity into the futures markets. The AMM Plus is 10 times more capital efficient than other automated market makers and offers multiple collateral types so that you can earn more with less. Interested in learning more about CoinFlex and trying out the AMM Plus? Head over to coinflex.com AMM to get started and let the market work for you. Hey, Zach, welcome to Crypto Unstacked. It's so great to have you on the show with me. Thank you. Nice to be here. We're coming off the back of one of the largest, if not the largest, NFT event to happen. And all you guys took over in New York, was it, for about a week or so. We'd love to just get your you know, thoughts and how you felt being at NFT NYC. It was awesome. It was great. So the whole event, it was just very interesting, right, to see the space go from where it's gone you know, a few years ago to now. The, the, the people, the it's very, you know, when you go to a normal crypto conference, it's a very typical crowd. But when you go to an NFT conference, it's so diverse. It's so awesome. There's so many people from all walks of life, whether you're a creator, an artist, or an actor, or you're, you know, a lawyer, uh, an accountant. There's so many people from all different walks of life there. So that was really interesting. Then, of course, you know, it was just crazy. There was a ton of parties. Board Ape really killed it. They did their uh, warehouse party with Chris Rock, right? Aziz and Zari and the Strokes, I think. So that's absolutely crazy. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was it was a lot of fun. I'm glad you brought up the fact that there are lawyers and accountants at you know these conferences too, because in an otherwise traditional conference, I mean, what can you possibly chat about if you're not in that industry, right? There's just not much of an overlap. So I'm mean, curious. What topics are these guys interested in exploring with, you know, guys from the creator economy, right? Guys from the NFT and, and, and crypto space. What are those conversations like? Well, I mean, you know, from one standpoint, like I was talking to a, a tax accountant and it was really interesting to see how they thought about and, you know, reported NFT gains. And it was just interesting to see how, you know, useful that is. Everyone at the conference probably needed that guy's service. So it makes sense for him to be there. But um, having these discussions about how it works, what policies are you know uh, influencing their decisions and what do they think is coming down the road from the legal side or from the VC side, you know, a lot of people are interested in a lot of different things. Um, legal, you have people that are trying to license deals. So you'll have a lot of people are like, you know, I can connect you with this, this or that. I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, there's a lot of cool things to go on in conferences, right? A lot of deals to be made, a lot of people to meet, a lot of hands to shake. So, yeah, you got to have a whole big bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, especially nowadays. Well, Zach, you're leading the team over at Mintable. And the sort of headline descriptor, I guess, for, for Mintable is that, you know, you guys are looking to be the world's largest NFT marketplace. And we've we've seen, you know, 
not a small number of these types of marketplaces and white label solutions pop up to service this demand that not only traditional, well, maybe traditional is the wrong word, but Web3 native platforms are, are looking to do and to incorporate NFTs perhaps as part of their service, but even on the more traditional crypto side, exchanges, right, uh, such as Coinbase, you know, have looked to NFTs as a new vertical that they can invest in. So lots of marketplaces are popping up. Could you talk more about, you know, the original conception for Mintable and, and how you're looking to be different from all of these other marketplaces that we know of today? Yeah, I mean, I want to clarify a few things with some definitions of marketplaces, because over the last year, we've seen a huge increase for sure within the NFT space, whether it's a project or marketplace or just buyers and collectors. But overall, when you look at marketplaces, there's two types. There's a closed and open marketplace, right? So the closed marketplaces are curated platforms. You can think of super rare, nifty gateway, known origins. Um, you know, these platforms, you can't just go on and make an NFT and you can't go find an NFT from other platforms, right? Then you have open platforms. Open platforms now, these are platforms that we try to have every single NFT on the blockchain and try to have, you know, like a historical record of everything. So there's only a few open platforms out there. Right now, there's just three, which is Mintable, Rarible, and OpenSea for Ethereum. Now, Coinbase may do this. Binance chose not to do this. FTX chose not to do this. So you know, we'll see what Coinbase does. I think that they're going to try to do a, a kind of a mixed model. So Mintable, though, never actually started as a marketplace. So Mintable back in 2018, because I've been in crypto for quite a while, and I found NFTs in 2017, and I kind of fell in love, right? And it wasn't by a conscious decision or anything like that. But after finding NFTs in 2017, that's all I've really worked on is just NFT-related projects. And I built Mintable in 2018 as a creating platform to allow you to create an NFT without having to know how to code. And what I realized after I created it was I started Googling to find other like minting platforms and things like that. There was nothing out there. There was no option. And, you know, ERC721 is fairly new at this point. So I realized that I just made something that, you know, didn't exist on the internet. And that's a really good business opportunity. So I was like, hey, let me step back and think about how we can turn this into, you know, a, a viable business. And so we've always planned to be a marketplace since 2018. We've just been building all sorts of different things. There's a few core concepts that we wanted to build that were not easy to build in 2018, 2019. You know, these years of, of development during a bear market, it wasn't as easy as it is now, which is awesome. Uh, it means that we can go a lot quicker now. But so we've been working on that. We launched our marketplace in 2020. And that was, you know, it was a huge success, right? We blew up pretty much overnight. We have hundreds of thousands of users on our platform, right? We get like 150 million page requests like every single month. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, your your NFT on Mintable, you know, if you were to like promote it, you can get upwards of 25,000 to 200,000 views on the platform on your NFT, whereas on other platforms it's much harder to get these kind of these view counts. And this is because the way that we built things is to focus on kind of this virality aspect so that when you see something on like the homepage or trending, it's actually trending. So we have comments and we have offers and so we have all these unique things that you can do to kind of build and, and interact with the community as you're purchasing and trading your NFTs. So if I'm looking to buy an NFT, maybe I'm a collector, maybe I'm a first timer, I've just seen something come off the latest Bloomberg News page and I'm like, all right, great. I want to look into NFTs now. 
why would I go to Mintable specifically? Or how would I discover Mintable and you know decide to buy stuff there versus going to the number of other platforms that you mentioned? Yeah, so one thing is, if I ask you right now, Leslie, I have a baseball card, and it's a Babe Ruth from 1970, and it's in fairly good condition. What's the price of that card? I don't know. You don't know, right? I don't know either. Actually, I made it up. I don't know if a Babe Ruth card comes from the 1970s, right? But the point is, is that unless you're in that community, unless you've studied baseball cards and you're really like a collector and you're really someone knowledgeable in that space, you don't know. And it's the same with a board ape. If I show you board ape number 1,255, what is the value of that board ape? Unless you're in the board ape community, you don't know. One of the things that we built that's really exciting is this rarity algorithm. We looked at rarity tools and rarity sniper and, and I, I didn't like the way that they've done that. Now, again, remind you, I've created batch minting for NFTs. I created the first DAO that runs off of NFTs, created gasless minting. I got grants from the Ethereum Foundation, created ERC-2981. So I was like, I don't like the way that we've calculated these attributes for NFTs and the way that we're weighting them. So we designed a new algorithm that we use and we show it on these items. So if you go on Mintable and you look at Bored Apes, you can filter and you can say, look, I'm going to put in $75,000. And you can say, okay, well... Let me look at this first one. We show these really nice graphs, the average price, the trending value over these time periods. So you immediately can gauge and say, okay, well, this is somewhere in the range of you know 125,000. So I automatically can't buy one. So let me go to Mutant Ape, right? And you're going to say, okay, I got you know 75 grand. What am I going to put in? And you realize that for 75 grand, you can get a really nice Mutant Ape. So you sort by you know the the most legendary rare, the Holy Grail, right, of rarity, and you can see the the top ten rarest board apes, or I'm sorry, Mutant Apes. And you can make your, you know, a decision, you can make an offer, you can leave a comment, you can read some discussion that's happening around that. And so the way that the information information is presented to you, you have such a clear understanding. And then the flexibility, of course, to pay with credit card, which is something that we accept for all NFTs. So you could use other platforms, but I think overall, when you look at it, one of the core principles that we look at here at Mintable is something called the mom test. And what this means is my mom is a construction worker in California. She could barely use Facebook. She doesn't have any crypto, right? So she's like the exact opposite of like our user, right? And we said, whatever we make, we want this to pass the mom test where my mom can use it, right? And so we've designed things where we looked at Amazon and we looked at Etsy and we said, NFTs are an e-commerce transaction. So why don't we do it like e-commerce giants that have used principles and practices that have been around for 20 years now? So, and that's what we try to do with, you know, the brand new technology of NFTs. And it works out really well, right? Like we, we have quite a bit of traction. And so it's doing really well. You got to understand though, it's only been a few months. Uh, and our latest update is really big update that is going to take things by storm. If you go look at the site now, we have every single ERC721 on Ethereum that's on, it's on Mintable, right? And it's indexed. And so when you load up your wallet, you can see all your NFTs all the way back from when, you know, ERC721 was created you can trade those and you can promote those. But then there's also some really cool stuff like this community post aspect. So yeah, I think what we're trying to build is something really easy. And so when you look at the experiences on both kind of platforms, you probably will shop on walmart.com and on amazon.com, right? You understand? So, you know, it's just the amount that you shop on Amazon may be more than the one on Walmart. And therefore, you know, you prefer this one over the other. And I think this is probably how the NFT space is moving and how it will be moving towards uh, over the next few years. Yeah, you touched on so many good points. And I'm going to put a quick pin on a lot of the features that you mentioned about Mintable, because I definitely want to dig deeper into that, you know, such as the gasless minting aspect, the 
community picks. I think that's what I'm seeing on the website right now, community picks aspect. You know, Sellers University I see is just right on top there. So I want to put a pin in those and kind of go back to a concept that you were talking about that drove your entire design approach to Mintable, which is to make sure that you put consumers first, right? You're you're in their seat, you know, and, and making sure that someone such as your mom, even if she's not interested in buying NFTs, creating NFTs or, or selling NFTs, that she can look you in the eye and say, you know, Zach, this is something that if I wanted to, I can do without you <laughs> and, and, and get started with right away. Well, you know, it's funny because she actually made an NFT on Mintable, right? And of course, you know, it's like a picture of me, but <laughs> because it's my mom, of course. But uh, she she did use it, right? And that's a core. A, you're you're absolutely right. It is consumer focused. And one of the things is I want my mom to be able to understand it as well. She may not understand why it's valued at you know two million dollars for this CryptoPunk, but she understands what she's looking at, and she understands. Okay, I'm buying this item. This is the price. This is how it would work. And it's not foreign. She doesn't have to be, you know, inundated with all these crazy blockchain terminologies or wallets or flows. And that's that's key. And so that's what we try to focus on. So some of the people in my audience here, you know, they're part of other projects. And naturally, a very big part of the crypto ecosystem are people who are interested in the financial applications of crypto. Right, that's sort of how things started, and and that's where that narrative around Bitcoin started. It was you know creating a currency that can be used as money to replace the current fiat system. Right, that's this overarching lofty goal that Bitcoin had. So a question would be, what can teams who are building out financial applications in crypto learn from the teams who are building NFT consumer applications? Right, because I think there are a lot of principles that kind of go out the window when we add in that layer of finance, which just automatically makes things more complex. And I don't think things need to be like that. So would be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I talk to a lot of people and whenever anyone brings up DeFi and mass adoption in the same sentence, I just am like, nope, not going to happen. There's a reason and it's not necessarily the use, the, the user experience or the UX the problem is more about the overhead educational costs that, you know, if you were to ask my mom to do it, she needs to understand what swapping into a pool and providing liquidity means and the potentials of these two assets that are now attached at this core price and blah, blah, blah. All this information she does not understand. And so therefore, no matter what way you present it to her, it's not going to make sense to her. It's still just, you know, Chinese to her where, you know, she doesn't understand it. And I think that this is something that user experience, of course, can help. To give you an example, like Yearn, Yearn Finance, right, from Andre, I've used it and I've figured out how to use it. But I remember the first few times looking at it, even as like a developer that understands what's going on in the smart contract side of things, I was like, I don't know what I am doing on this website. Like, and there's so many options and you have to like really dive in and find like guides and stuff. And so, yes, the user experience can be improved a lot. Especially like if you look at like Curve Finance, oh my God, Curve is the same way. It's like, it's just, it's not easy. It's not intuitive. So yeah, of course, that is one thing that we can improve. But ultimately, it doesn't matter if, if it's still a very complicated financial asset that's being interacted with, then there's a lot of complications that go into the flow. So it's, it's a hard, hard thing to jump over. Yeah, what I often say is, 
people tend to conflate a very minimalist UI with a very simple product or concept, right? When it comes to token swapping, of course, you know, everyone can understand what it means to swap one asset for another. But when we talk about liquidity provision, right, this market making, what, what you were just alluding to, you know, for Uniswap, it's not the case that people understand what an automated market maker is because it's a crypto native primitive that has no comparables in the traditional financial space. And so there's that that hurdle that you mentioned, right? that education hurdle that comes with almost needing to make things a little bit more complex by providing more information on the UI, for example, in order to kind of guide people through the experience of using a new primitive versus something that looks very clean, but offers no information and requires you to like dig through layers and layers of, of documentation on another website in order to be able to learn how to use the contract, right? Protocol. The two options that are on the page. Right, right, right. The two options. There's only two things, but it took you four hours to figure out what to put so that you don't lose all your money. And see, this is, yeah, this is one of the problems. And now go sit my mom down and ask her to spend four hours doing that. No, it's not going to happen. So these are considerations people have to take. But ultimately, if your product is just superly complex, then you just have to understand that it's not made for the average consumer. Yeah, narrowing your so-called target audience, right? And, and make sure you're building for the people who are there and want to use your product first, and then you kind of take your messaging to the masses. So going back to Mintable now, right? You, you mentioned something called gasless minting. Now, lots of people who are listening in have already invested in an NFT and have spent lots of dollars, let's call it, uh, or lots of ETH to just purchase that first NFT. Right. That is a major blocker for a lot of people. You know, it's, it's pricing people out who actually really want to be in this space because they've been sold the narrative that NFTs are democratizing art. Let's call it as, as one, one narrative. How is gasless minting possible? Number one. And what does this mean for the average buyer of NFTs? Someone who wants to get into this space? Yeah. So. Back in December of last year, I had an idea to change the way that we meant on a smart contract. And I tried it and it worked out really well. And ultimately that led to gasless minting. And this is a new way to mint NFTs. There's 721s on the Ethereum blockchain on mainnet, not on layer two. They're not custodial. You own them. You can mint them without needing a transaction. And so once they're, you know, minted, you can do whatever you want with them as a normal NFT. This means that for someone who is maybe in Africa or a broke college student or my mom who has never signed up for Coinbase, if they want to come on and make an NFT because maybe they're an artist, but they don't have crypto, specifically Ethereum, they're in a situation where now they can't mint. They can't go to Rarible. They can't go to OpenSea. They can't go anywhere because you always have to have a transaction. So they can't dive into NFTs. And so with Mintable's gasless minting, it means that they can download MetaMask. They don't have to understand what it is. They just install the extension and then they're good to go. That's it. They sign a message and they've minted their NFT. So this is really awesome. So this means OpenSea has something kind of similar called lazy minting. Lazy minting is where it doesn't exist at all. It's just on their server. And then when you buy it, you're actually minting it when you buy it right then and there. What this means is the buyer has to pay these gas costs. And they're just deferring the payment to the buyer. That's not what we do either. So it's actually cheaper to buy a gasless item than it is to buy a normal NFT. And so ultimately, 
there's no gas cost at all, which means that it's more environmentally friendly on Ethereum because just the number of transactions are reduced. But also, it means that it allows the subset of people that have never explored blockchain, instead of the traditional cycle where you first go to Coinbase, you invest Bitcoin, and you're, you, know, you don't know what Bitcoin is, but you do that. And then six months later, you're like, wow, I made so much money. I've heard about this thing called Uniswap. Let me go learn about Uniswap, right? And then you go learn about Uniswap. And it, now it's been six months to a year. And finally, you found Mintable and you heard about NFTs. And then you're making a transaction and paying you know, $80 or whatever it is. Instead of doing that adoption cycle, we flipped it on its head where now people go to Mintable because they want to create an NFT. They go, okay, well, I don't have a wallet. Let me download MetaMask. Okay, I don't have any crypto. I've never signed up on Coinbase, but I just made my first NFT. And when that NFT sells, they're going to wake up with $100 or whatever it sells for in their wallet. And now they've made their very first crypto. And if it's someone like my mom, they would then go, well, okay, I want to use this on groceries. Let me go sign up on Coinbase and figure out how to get it to my bank account. Because I heard Coinbase is really good, right? So we've literally flipped that adoption curve or process on its head. And this is really important for mass adoption. This is how you get hundreds of millions of users is by having a, a, you know experiences like that. So ultimately, gasless minting enables a lot of people to dive into NFTs when they wouldn't otherwise be able to. And of course, as we explore other layer twos on Ethereum, things also get cheaper for buying. We just updated our contracts and we reduced the cost of transactions by 80%. So that's huge where it might have cost $200 if gas prices were really high to buy an NFT that was $10. Now it costs like $80 if gas prices are high. So on a, you know, on a good, fairly normal day, it should only cost $20 to, you know, 20 to $50 depending on the gas price to be able to purchase an NFT. Whereas on other platforms and before it was in the hundreds regardless. So that, you know, this is important as well is reducing these these friction points within an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys charge transaction fees as well during that withdrawal process. Uh, is there like another type of fee that's associated with interacting with Mintable? So there's no withdrawal process. Whenever, like if you sell an NFT, it just automatically goes into your wallet. And we do take a 2.5% transaction fee on top of that. And then, of course, if there's royalties on top of your item, we support on-chain royalties. And so that will also come out. So ultimately, you know, you'll get whatever you're entitled to from the transaction, right? It's all handled on a smart contract. As for, and that's immediate, right? We don't custody any funds. So we do get that transaction fee, but we, we have other revenue streams as well and other business models. So we're not really reliant on this transaction fee. And in fact, if you look, you know, we've generated a lot of revenue. If you were to put a ratio on it of transaction volume to revenue generated, it would be much higher than some of our closest competitors. And so this is um, one of the, you know, I'll give you an example, like our advertising. We have a self-serve advertising platform within Mintable. So when you make an NFT or, or if you have a board Ape, you can pay $25 and have your board Ape on the homepage or on the top of the search results. If I search for board Apes, yours will appear first. And this is how we get into those, you know, 30, 50,000 views. And you've only spent $25. Now you're going to sell your NFT for, you know, I don't know if it's a board Ape, probably 150 grand. So, you know, do you really care about $25? No. And if it helps you get, you know, a thousand times on the views on your NFT, then of course, that's totally worth it, right? And so we make it really simple, just like on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You just select the item you want to promote, how long you want to promote it for, the type of payment and, uh, and the type of model and, and how much, you know, you're ultimately going to spend on the, the campaign. And then you can, um, you know, run that campaign for as long as you want, cancel it and see the results and tweak it and stuff. So 
this is again where we think about something and we say, you know, how can we bring something that works, something that's proven, something that's helpful over to this new cutting edge technology, which on other platforms, you know, it's like this, this weird blockchain interactions that we're not used to. We're seeing things. We're just like, what is this? Like, you know, uh, we're creating new terms and, and, and new experiences when we don't have to. Right. You're removing that friction that is associated with learning about a new concept, right? So to wrap up this part of the conversation, how would you describe the ultimate NFT starter pack? In this case, we don't have a meme to be able to show people. There are no visual representations. Let's do it loot style, where it's just you giving words out to people and people can imagine what you know these, these items are. But let's say we were to fill up this white space, right? And there were a few items that people need, you believe people need to be equipped with to get started. I'll put mintable.app as one of them. Fill in the other blanks for me. Well, if you look at it that way, there's, oh, there's so many tools and it depends on like how, what level, when you say get started, you know, because there's like different tiers of your interaction. So you got to use mintable. You'll need MetaMask. You'll probably want a place to show off some of your NFTs. So you can use any kind of virtual, you know, metaverse such as Decentraland or on Cyber. Uh, so you might want to buy some land in Decentraland, or maybe you want to, you know, get on uh, on Cyber and or crypto voxels or whatever, you know, fancies your boat. Then you're going to want to, of course, be able to analyze data. So I mean, I guess with Mintable you can do this now because we just released this really cool analytics that we provide on all sorts of information, but you may want additional information. So you may want Rarity Tools, Rarity Sniper, or Nansen AI. Now, Rarity Tools and Rarity Sniper, you're probably going to be too late to the party for it to be really useful to get a, a lot of you know bang for the buck out of that. Now, Nansen, though, Nansen will be helpful in identifying these things. Uh, you're going to need a Twitter account and a avatar photo. So whatever your avatar photo is, you need to get that sorted out. That's important. You know, that's going to put you into your different class of category of uh, shit poster on Twitter. So, you know, <laughs> then you're probably going to need a shirt that says something about NFTs in an, in an obnoxious way. So, you know, just like whenever you're at the store, you're like, hey, you know about NFTs? And the guy's like, look, Bob, you come in here every week. Can you just pay for your food? This is the seventh <laughs> time. I don't want to hear about NFTs anymore. So if you get all that, you'll fit right in. It'll be running right in. So. Well, there you have it, folks. That was an awesome illustration. Right. So let's say people have taken your word, right? They've they've gone on and, and got the tools that they needed. You know, they're on their way to understand what the metaverse is and sort of what, you know, Decentraland and CryptoVoxels and, and all these different platforms are doing. And they're in that process of educating themselves more and more about the use cases of NFTs, the different verticals that NFTs apply to, right? Um, they're, they're kind of, it's, it's not like they're past the NFT collectible stage, but they just want to dig in deeper and perhaps, you know, they want to work at Mintable. And so they're, they're trying to level up their, their knowledge of Web3 as a whole. And so let's put education as a focal point now in our conversation, right? There are a number of things on your platform that I'm seeing right now that, you know, are geared towards helping people to truly understand what NFTs are. Starting with what I'm seeing here now is Sellers University empowering the creator economy in NFTs. So for people who don't have the website up right now, can you just go into this a bit more? Yeah, no, and you know, I actually should have mentioned this in our starter pack because you would want to start here. This is a class that we worked with a marketing expert 
to develop kind of a introduction. What we have now is kind of the intro to NFTs and selling your NFTs, but it's a essentially everything you need to know about how you would utilize Mintable, how you would sell your NFT, how you build a community, how you stand out. And so like the first half is like me talking about how to use Mintable. And then the second half is the marketing expert who comes in and says, look, this is how you build a community. This is how you do, you know, um, different kind of advertising methods or guerrilla marketing tactics so that you can get your NFT in front of these potential buyers. And it's super helpful, right? I think we have like 30 something videos. So it's, it's a good amount of content. It took us many months to do, and it's a good starting point. So if you're a seller, this makes sense for you. Now, if you're a collector, if you're not a creator, but you're someone that just wants to invest and you know flip some NFTs, this isn't the course for you. We're going, you know, we're working on a, a new one that actually is for the buy-in side. But you know, as a individual artist, we found that a lot of artists, particularly, were not strong in the marketing area, and they would say that you know, I'm an artist, I'm not a marketer. And so this was something that we really felt was important and useful. And we, I mean, we've gotten thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of watch time on these videos. So it's been, you know, a lot of people have been checking this out. And ultimately, I think it's been helpful. We're, I mean, we're working on another course. And so it's free information. You might as well watch it and learn something that you probably didn't know before, right? Yeah, love it. Right next to the Sellers University under resources, something caught my eye which are the college athletes NFTs. And I'm looking at this page right now and I'm just saying, wow, this is like a page that's dedicated to, you know, communicating with athletes who are, you know, quite quite young, right? To mint an NFT. I mean, talk about that connection. Like why should college athletes be, you know, looking towards doing something like this? You know, is it for personal branding reasons? Uh, is it to, you know, actually get a higher chances of recruitment because there's more visibility. Like what was the motivation behind creating, you know, this specific vertical and, and, and making it so apparent? Yeah. Well, so, you know, recently there was a ruling for name, image, and likeness within college sports. And that allows for college athletes the rights to use, you know, their name and image and stuff like that, which include NFTs. And so we want to, you know, look, if you are a college athlete, and you have like a hundred thousand followers, and you're able to provide something of true value to your followers and your fans. Maybe it's an experience, or maybe it's like a game jersey or something, right? That you can provide and and utilize the NFT for in a unique way. If that NFT were to sell for like fifty grand or you know a hundred grand for a college student, could you imagine when you were back in like university and you just made fifty grand like one week? And that's life changing money, you know, back then. It's a year's tuition, you know, just being able to pay off. Right. And so this is something like there's a huge opportunity here. And if your fans or diehard fans, like we did a drop with Trevor Lawrence when he was, you know, right as he was being picked, uh, you know, the draft pick, he's a quarterback now, but he was, you know, in college, he had a really big fan base. He launched NFT and I was kind of skeptical because I was like, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not a big sports guy. I'm a nerd. And so I didn't know how this was going to do. And he did really well. He ended up, you know, at the time, he sold out for $365,000. But now, you know, with the price of ETH, it's it's closer to like five or $600,000. And so that did really well. And it was because he had such a devoted fan base. And so, you know, realizing that 
sports is a fan base and creators, they have this ability to control, you know, if they're an athlete, they can control their name and image. They don't need to use a marketing agency, right? They don't need to go pay someone a 50% cut and have an agent just to release some NFTs, right? That's, it's literally in their hands. And so we wanted to provide kind of a, a solution. And so we've had a ton of, you know, athletes reach out to us from all walks of life and all over the world. And we're working on some, some, something special with, uh, with these guys. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible. And I want to link this back to something that you're, you're quoted on in an article that featured Mintable, I believe just, just a few months ago. And you said, if a project has no established or unique community, then the project's investment value is likely to never increase, right? So you're putting community and the, I guess, like virality of engagement as, as well as a core reason why a project or a person who's looking to, you know, reach more people will succeed, right? It's being able to find ways to connect with supporters. So talk a bit more about the importance of community in the Web3 world, I think that's super, super important. Well, you know, I think an analogy here really kind of sums it up. And I don't think I'm overweighing the importance of community, but instead, I think it's literally a requirement for investment value. And I'll give you an example. If I make a trading card game and I'm the only person in the world, but I've got this really rare card that I made, and I'm the only person in the world that knows this game, and I go up to you and I say, hey, do you want to buy this for 25 grand? Are you going to do that? Is there really anyone that would ever do that around the world? Like, I feel like you can literally line up almost everyone and no one would do that. So if you don't have people that are lined up that are saying, oh, I know that. Uh, yeah, that's worth 25 grand. Then it can't go up, right? Uh, there's no one to buy it. So you have to have a community. And so community is one of the most important things, especially when you're dealing with NFTs, because fundamentally NFTs are not like ERC-20s or tokens where you know, you can have a thousand people and these thousand people can really pump up the price. Whereas with NFTs, you're looking at a situation where it's one person and it's one and one interacting where one person or one party says, I have this item and I will accept this value for it. And then the other person provides that value. And so with this one person interaction, you have these different dynamics that come into play and community is one of the most important aspects for providing liquidity to a project. But on the flip side, you have to evaluate the community and see if it's really a proper community or the type of community that you're looking for for what you're trying to do. To give you an example, if I'm trying to invest in a project for five years or 10 years for NFTs, say something like CryptoPunks, but the community is 12-year-olds and like people watching streamer, streams and streamers, that's probably not going to be around in five years, right? Necessarily. And it's probably not worth millions of dollars. Whereas if you go look at like the CryptoPunk community and you're like a Discord with CryptoPunk holders, they're the way some of them are just lucky because they, they held on to it. Uh, but some of them, other ones are, most of them are pretty well established and they're mature in the way that they interact with the community. Think about the community. You have to be mature to rent a like 2,000 person yacht in New York and plan this massive party and get Chris Rock and Aziz Ansari for you know a project like the Bored Apes. So these are things that when you look at, you can see how that is very different from maybe the community that is built around you know the McRib NFTs. Uh, and so as these communities are different, you have different expectations. 
So these are all, you know, it's really a psychological thing when you think about it. And you have to look at like the logic of, you know, kind of of the crowd and how they're interacting. And that crowd you have to know from being in the community. So it it is something that you really have to spend time in individualized areas and say, okay, I spent time in the CryptoPunk community. I spent time in the BoardApe community. I understand these communities. I can value these in this way. So, and that's, you know, that's really deep going into it. From the outsider's perspective, looking at Nansen and Mintable and some of these other analytics that we provide, you'll have a fairly good understanding of you know what what to price something at, what is reasonable, and you'll be able to see into the community a lot easier using Mintable in the way that we built it. So yeah. What does being a member of the Board Ape community mean to you? I'm so curious. It's not my thing. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. It's not my thing because it's like the anti, anti-social club, you know, like where it started is kind of like this joke. And then you're like, hey, we can make a lot of money from this. And so I, I feel like a lot of the people, I mean, it's cool. It's nice to feel like you're in a community. The interesting aspect is opposed to something like fashion where you can just mass, you know, produce your item and sell it in, you know, nations or you know, countries around the world. With something like Bored Apes, there's only, you know, a limited number. So you really, you're never going to get to that level where, you know, it's oversaturated. So we'll have to see. But I think that being in the Bored Apes is, it's, you're in a club, uh, which is cool. It is a virtual club. So take it with a grain of salt. You know, don't expect to get, you know, a, a lounge at the airport. But it is something that, you know, it's, it's nice. It's cool. Do you think NFTs require utility? No, art doesn't require utility. And NFTs, you know, they could be very uh, useful. They could be very non-useful, right? It could just be a rock, a JPEG of a rock. You know, watches aren't useful. There's no, you don't need a Rolex. You have an iPhone, right? An iPhone tells the time better than a Rolex. So, but there's still a lot of non-practical things that are luxury items. In fact, that's kind of a requirement, right? For a luxury item is the non-practicality of it. And, and I ask that because what people are looking to now at sort of the boon of NFT 3.0 maybe, or maybe we're still in 2.0 is, right, we have these JPEGs, right? We, we, we have these collectibles that have now started to turn into NFTs, right? I understand that. But what's the use cases or what are the use cases? You know, what new verticals can NFTs be applied to? People are starting to think about that, regardless if there is a need to, you know, be able to use an NFT of a Birkenbeck or an NFT of a Rolex watch, start to think about how holding one of these can actually build up your Web3 reputation, your digital identity, and be able to allow you to access certain financial opportunities. And regardless if people care about this or not, it's just that there's so many people working on sort of financial applications in, in crypto that necessarily there are these types of lending platforms that are, you know, kind of cropping up, not not mature by any means, but trying to figure out how to combine these two use cases, right? Parts of the DeFi world and parts of this creator economy that's that's really booming from the NFT space. So curious, like, if if you think it's really too early, whether you think it's necessary, you know, and if not, like, talk to us about that. I mean, your question touched on a lot of different areas. You know, you talked about DeFi in one aspect. Which one would you prefer I dive into? Because I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on the area. Start with 
what you have the most to say about your your strongest opinion, maybe more on the kind of combination of, of, of DeFi and NFTs, because a lot of people have been chatting about that. So you you the original question was about utility. And you said, when are they going to be used for? What are they going to be useful for? And then you bring up DeFi. And I think you naturally go to DeFi because you know that DeFi is useful in the crypto sense. You know that it's got a purpose and it's helpful in some way. And so you think naturally, okay, it's crypto. These two should come together. I don't think that's the case. And let me tell you the scenario for how mass adoption is going to happen with NFTs. And we'll go back to my mom because my mom is critical for mass adoption. And this is going to happen where everywhere she goes, she's just slapped in the face with NFTs, left and right, right? She goes into Starbucks, claim your free NFT. She goes into Jamba Juice and it says, hey, do you have your NFT membership card? And she goes into Michael's or wherever and there's an NFT coupon or whatever. You're going to see all these different use cases that are going to sprout out from brands and corporations, whether it's video games and marketplaces for video game items that her son is talking about, or it's with you know brands and loyalty reward points or membership access like you were talking about as this happens, you're not going to be looking at your NFT from Starbucks and saying, this is a $25,000 investment. You're going to say, this is my loyalty rewards points. And, you know, I get in a lottery pool every month or something like that, right? Just some whatever Starbucks decides to do. And it may not necessarily have a large economic value. But on the flip side, you could be in a situation where your insurance agency or your insurance company puts the policy as an NFT and allows for you to trade that so I could potentially be buying your insurance policy in the event that you want to sell it. And of course, it probably is not going to happen on Mintable or Rarible or OpenSea for insurance trading, right? They'll probably have their own marketplace and have a business model around it. But these different practicalities of how you can utilize NFTs, I think, is not... People think about it, but it's not inherently understandable of how useful it is. And I'll give you an example. Like I don't like collectibles and artwork and um, and game items for uh, NFTs as mass adoption. I think these are low hanging fruits. I think there's a lot of other potential out there. And I've thought this since you know 2017. I wrote a paper in 2018 working on NFTs in a food traceability supply chain system. And the point of the matter is, is the NFTs are so vague as a technology. They can be applied to an IoT warehouse or they can be applied to voting or they can be applied to artwork you know you have music and tv shows that are going to start releasing nfts and whether it's albums or uh, unreleased tracks or whether it's moments on a tv show or uh, membership access to have screenings or viewings or even movie tickets so all of these things are different applications of nfts that we can see i think when you look at movie tickets you might look at that and think that's ridiculous because if you know nfts you're going to say well, what about the gas costs? What about this? What about that, right? But we have technology now that allows for us to you know, circumvent these issues. And you may just be looking at your, you know, the wallet that you use in your daily life as kind of the email that you use where you get all these receipts and these email receipts for, oh, you know, thanks for shopping at the mall or thanks for you know, booking your tickets online. Same thing, except now you're going to get NFTs in this wallet. And you're going to say, oh, that is that time I went to see the movies, you know with my sister or whatever. And so you'll have these these kind of moments and membership badge, badges and this digital identity in your wallet, right? This is how the metaverse gets built, where people can start saying, my land in Decentraland, I'm going to build a museum, but only for people that have a movie theater ticket from, you know, this SpongeBob movie or whatever. And you have these weird interactions that you can build. And this is why NFTs are so awesome. 
I mean, I'm really grateful for conversations like this because it helps to expand the universe of of thinking about NFTs kind of beyond just, and I, I will say it again, because this is kind of this, this world that I'm in on a day-to-day basis, so don't fault me for it, which are financial applications, right? So many people kind of harp on that and say, well, it has to be financially useful. You know, it has to have economic value, you know, to kind of sustain all the stuff that's, that's happening in the space. And you kind of pull back the curtains for us and say, if we want to reach everyone that we're hoping to reach, we're not building this for just a small community of people. We have to think bigger, right? We have to think about ways that existing brands are are looking at NFTs and they're not looking at NFTs as a way to, you know, in, increase your, you know, collateral or sorry, de- decrease your your collateral amount for a loan that you want to take out in DeFi on Aave, right? It's it's not it's it's not just starting that conversation there, but rather saying meeting you know, we should be meeting brands where they're at now, speaking about the narrative of NFTs in a way that people can understand. And naturally, as that world starts to uh, mature, right, as you mentioned, insurance providers, right, actually being able to create NFTs on policies, I still think we're a few, uh, few, few years away from that. But, you know, if that can be a thing, that's what's going to drive potentially more financial applications within crypto, right? It's kind of like starting from the outside world here. And then that kind of demand informing all the different things that we can do in crypto, as opposed to thinking the stuff that we do in crypto will then just somehow become mainstream because we think it's cool, right? It's not necessarily that way. So that's a good reminder. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, you gotta understand we're, we're nerds. If you're in crypto, you're a nerd, right? And it's it's a compliment, right? So it's not an insult by any means, but we're nerds. And people, not everyone is like us. People are different. So what we like and what we think is going to work just sometimes just doesn't work out that way, right? I thought NFTs were going to get popular in 2018. I was like four years late, but ultimately it worked out. It's just not always the way that you planned. So I think with NFTs, you're going to see a boom that is so unprecedented. We've already seen a boom. I heard the other day, and I don't know how true this is, but someone made a case that NFTs are a record-breaking industry and the fact that no industry in the world has ever gone from where they started to $10 billion or more in, in annual volume globally within the short amount of time frame. You know, they exist like, what, four years, five years? Uh, it's four years. I think it's about four years. And so... When I hear that, I'm just like flabbergasted to think, wow, so I work in the hottest industry on the planet in history. And, you know, like this is, I, I question how the accuracy of that, uh, you know, if it is really like, is this a record break? Point, it doesn't matter. It's still insane, right? It doesn't even matter if it is the official number one. But so we, we're very lucky and we're going to continue to see this as time goes on. People are going to continue to be brought into crypto because of NFTs. And once maybe, you know, you have situations where people will turn $500 into $5 million with NFTs. And so once you get someone who is lucky and they make 50 grand off of their NFTs, now they start looking at other things they can do with that 50 grand. And then they explore these financial services or how did you say it? (laughs) Just financial applications. People are probably so tired. (laughs) But you know, this is why we need to talk to each other, right? This is this is why even within crypto, we get so siloed in what we're doing. We think what we're building out is the only thing people care about. 
And in reality, it's, it's all connected. It's just everyone has a different so-called user journey. Some will come in from the finance side. Someone, some will come in from the tech side. Some will come in from the art and collectible side, let's call it. And there's probably other categories as well. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we're all building towards this one goal of trying to get the messaging to the masses about what Web3 is, right? And that's what I hope people who are tuning in today, listening to our podcast, you know, if they're sipping a coffee, just kind of staring out into space, you know, have all these things that Zach has mentioned during this conversation, just just soak it in and allow you to think bigger about what's possible through Web3, because that circle of knowledge is still so small, right, Zach? And, you know, for, for all the brands potentially who are listening in on this and seeing NFTs as more of an advertising cost center versus an investment in a vertical that can be core to your business, you know, think about really how NFTs can be applied to reach this new audience that could be actually very, very useful to the growth and success of your business. You know, there, there's so many different ways you can slice and dice the NFT narrative. And I'm really grateful that Mintable.app is live. It's There's so much already on this website that you can go and, and check out. If you're not ready to get started, just start with the educational side of things, right? Tune in to all the different videos and then slowly work your way up and, you know, definitely have Mintable as part of your NFT starter pack, along with all the other tools that Zach has mentioned. So Zach, super appreciate your time with us. This was really an educational and just fun conversation for me. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate the time as well. And look, if you're diving into NFTs or if you're going to make an NFT purchase, just do yourself a favor. Look up the NFT on Mintable before you buy it anywhere else and look at the information that we present to you. And I think you'll see that there's a much clearer picture painted. And so just from an information standpoint, you want as much information as possible if you're going to make an investment, right? You don't want to go into a trade blind. But as a creator standpoint, there's, there's literally no other option in terms of the flexibility that we provide. There's so much that you can do from a creator standpoint. So you should definitely check us out. And Leslie, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate the time today. Thank you.